Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Always Aggravated, a Mike Valenti signature podcast. Welcome to Always Aggravated, episode one, presented by our launch sponsor, the D Las Vegas. Remember, next time you're in Vegas, check them out, and you know the deal. The D Las Vegas, it's your home for Detroit sports in Vegas. On this week's episode, we welcome in Yahoo Sports, Dan Wetzel. Dan sits down with us. We wrap everything basketball, the world of Zion Williamson, and we're just living in it. Jimmy Butler trade talk, winners, losers, power balance in the East and West. We'll also do a power rank, give you my top five NFL teams with a surprising omission, and then you knew it was coming. A celebration and a top 10 countdown of the best bad movie ever, Roadhouse, and the top 10 one-liners. All this week on Always Aggravated. Let's do it. All right, well, this is, see, I'm very excited, honestly. I don't. I don't see you nearly enough. Now, how do you want to be introduced? Is it New York Times bestselling author, a scribe? Uh, what, what, how do, what, Devastatingly handsome. Is that dashing. What, what do yeah, you want? Tell him that. I've, I've, I've known you so long. I'm just here. I'm just here. Occasional right. Dan purveyor Wetzel. of Nobel fish. Dan Wetzel, <laughs> Yahoo Sports. Uh, yes, Dan has written a ton of books about college basketball, sports altogether. You're doing your college football podcast still? Yes. Okay, Half what's it 40. called? It's called the Yahoo Sports College Podcast. Very, very creative. Creative. Excellent. Very creative. Our creative department was really on their game that day. I think they were just hungover. Well, welcome in. I'm Thank glad you. you can come down. Thank you. And, First uh, one. Yeah. There well, we go. You know what? I help you. You help me. That's, That's how right. it works. That's it. Um, all right. Listen. Zion Williamson, I couldn't think of many people better to, to talk to about it than you because it, it's taken over sports, and it rarely happens with college basketball. This is very rare. College basketball is niche for geeks like me and you. Yes. But— I kind of wanted to check myself because it's not even about overreaction. It's level of overreaction. But what were your thoughts not only when he debuted against Kentucky but what he did to Army? I mean, where, where are you at with this? So 
if you follow this stuff, you have seen Zion Williamson play in high school. Um, the man, he has, I don't know what he's at now, but he, he entered college with 1.7 million Instagram followers, okay? Like, he is a sensation, but, and, and it's because of the dunks. It's because of the blocks. But you were watching him do this against, like, you know, six-foot-tall centers in high school basketball in South Carolina. So no, it, it, was a, it was a 5'7 small forward named Scooter right, from right, Spartansburg. Right. Yeah, there it is. So he's just wrecking kids. And then he would do it on the on the you know the circuit the AU circuit and all that, but he's just a freaking nature. So you go, all right, let's let's see, maybe, maybe there's it's it's a little bit, and then he just makes Kentucky look like they're at Spartanburg High, and you go, all right, now maybe Kentucky's not that good, but you know they got athletes, you know these guys are players, so um, he's doing everything he did, and so it's going to be a whole year of Zion Williamson. He will absolutely make Duke must-watch TV, the highlights at least. And I, what I like is, you know, as all these people hate Duke. Man, it's hard to hate Duke this year. Like, they are going to be fun to watch. They got the top three picks in the drift. Yeah, they got top three guys. R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and Zion. They're unbelievable. And the style of play is, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 like UNLV back in the day or Fab Five or, or, or like that Anthony Davis Kentucky team. I mean, they're just throwing alley-oops up, and it's like how many guys want to climb up there and get it? And so, but Zion is just like, I mean, you know, the force of the of everything he does. You just have never seen something this big. He's two eighty five. He'd be the second heaviest player in the NBA. That's what right I heard. Now. Yeah, the second heaviest player in the NBA, and yet he can jump. You know, that some people say forty five inch. I don't know about that, but he can he can get up. And so it's just this sheer uh, highlight reel stuff. You and, can watch him for. See what struck me? Then you watch him for five minutes, and you know that's the guy. Yeah. Like, the great players, that's how it works. You could take some guy off the street and go, all right, hey, Bob, sit down with me and watch this game. Five minutes later, who's the best player? You'd pick, you can identify it. That's how you know that's the dude. Right. I mean, the other guys are great, but, like, damn, we're, to me, it's like he's the number one pick unless he gets hurt. It's already happened. He didn't come in as the number one pick. And even though R.J. Barrett was amazing with 33 points, dude, you know some goofball owner like Rana Dive or Robert Sarver is going to tap his GM and go, I don't care what you think. I need asses in the seats. <laughs> He's the number one pick. The the NBA will try to talk themselves out of that. You watch and be like, yeah, I want. No, I agree. He's the one that, that stirs. The, I mean, you got to see how it all plays out. But I think it was in that Kentucky game where he had he had an offensive rebound and Billis goes, can can an offensive rebound be a sports center top 10 play? <laughs> like. Right. That was it. I mean, he just changes the game. And I think in today's NBA, it's all about matchups. Well, how the hell do you match up against them? Who are you putting on them? And and what kind of creating of of then matchups do you create everywhere else? Because you, there's nothing. So you got, all right, we're going to put a, a a small forward on him. Well, he'll, he'll he'll hammer you down. You put a center on him. Well, now that one's got, you know, like, what do you do? He's, he's like more athletic Draymond Green. I mean, you can't shoot. The, I'm not. You know, Draymond's unbelievable. He's got this kid's got a long way to go, but what do you do with him? But that's I think that's what the hard part is, is this kid's had more time for his game to be picked apart. Most college freshmen, no one has seen them. Only right. the AAU geeks right. and the recruit Knicks and all that. As you said, I mean this is a kid who's been out there because of social media, because of his freakish skills. I can't really pick anything apart. I mean, when you look at it, the size the the, the size and strength doesn't make any sense. Six right. seven two eighty five. Okay, that doesn't make any damn sense. He's not fat. 
He's incredibly athletic. He's got great feet. He's quick. He's a ball handler. He's a passer. If you want to knock anything, you'd go, well, the jump shot needs work. Cool. Get in line with 99% of other guys not named Buddy Heald coming out of college. He's 18. Yeah, right. They all need work. Right. But, like, that's the problem with the NBA comparison. I don't know what to compare him to. Yeah, I've I've struggled with this. The one I come up with and is um is Amari Stoudemire before the knee injuries. Now, he's not Amari, it's different. But I remember watching Amari Stoudemire when I did go to a lot of these camps and stuff. When he was a high school senior, he was supposed to go if he was going to go to college, he was going to go play at Memphis. And I remember telling someone then, I go, Memphis is going to win the national championship. This guy's 6'10", 245 and can fly. And who is guarding him in college basketball? And everyone's right. like, no, come on, Memphis. I'm like, seriously, this guy's ready. And he had a jump shot. And he had some jump shot. And he ends up going to the – he goes straight to the league. He goes to Phoenix. He averaged, I think, about 13-9 and nine as a rookie. He was rookie of the year. He was a freak athlete that no one could handle as an NBA rookie. So he's the same age or same, you know, whatever experience level as Zion right now. He's 6'10", and he's 245. So he's taller but lighter. Um Zion, I think, is more of a physical freak than that. But if nothing else, you I think you can turn him loose in the NBA right now, and he's going to get you, you know, 15 and 10 on dunks and 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 just rebounds and just being a presence, even if all that other stuff doesn't come. You could just put him in a, I think you could put him in a game, any game on the planet. If they just said, tonight you're going to go play for uh, the Pistons, and he'll go out there, not know one play, and he's going to come away with some numbers because he's just – so I kind of feel like he's a little bit – now, Amari Stoudemire had the knee injuries. He never quite developed into the – He had the microfracture, yeah, right? Yeah, a couple of them, I think. And he never developed into that just, you know, truly – he was a very good player. Yeah. But – and and who you know who knows if you can keep playing this way at that size. That's the, that's the one risk with him is, all right, you're 285. Can you really fly through the air and how long – it's great now, but how long can you do that? So that's maybe the one risk of his career is at some point he's got to learn how to play down on, on the floor. But Or what happens if we well, pay you 20 mil and you're getting 100 mil from a shoe company and now you're 305? Right. There's a risk. Those are the risks. But we're picking apart like problems. We're searching for problems at this point. But I don't know a, a comparison because there, we haven't seen anybody like well, this. Well, we, we ha- we've seen someone close, and this is the difference. We saw LeBron. Yeah, and LeBron was six eight, two forty. Yeah. Obviously, playing closer to probably two fifty five now. But he's incredibly built. But LeBron didn't have a great jumper coming out. But nope. he could he could fly, and he was physical enough. He, he could to, pass. Yeah, and he was an and unbelievable handle. passer. The IQ is probably the difference. The basketball IQ is LeBron came to the league to me with the most advanced basketball IQ of any rookie I've ever seen. Yeah, but those comps are happening. I mean, Steve Kerr, you know, a week ago. And at first I go, that's unfair. Don't do that to this kid. But then you really start thinking about it. What what have we seen that 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 would even approach LeBron other than this kid? I I I don't I don't see the LeBron to me runs a team, and Zion dominates a team, but he's not running the team. I think I think LeBron every team he's ever been on from when he was ten years old, he's gotten the coach fired. 
He's the guy. <laughs> Except his buddy Drew Joyce's dad. Yeah, exactly. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll let him stay. Yeah, other than that guy. Yeah. Uh yeah, he got everyone fired. But he runs the team. He 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 everything runs through him. I don't think you can run an offense through Zion's not gonna play point guard and critical point. But in today's NBA, you know what's interesting is you could just put Zion as an undersized center. Let's you know, again, because you've seen Golden sure. State do it with Day Day, you've seen PJ Tucker do it with Houston. You could put him at center and just put four shooters around him, and I could I could justify on a whiteboard using him in the high post to facilitate because he's a good passer, and yeah. I think you're going to see it as the year goes along. Dan, in that sense, he's the perfect player for today's game. And he, ca- he can catch anything. His hands are massive, like yeah. the wingspan, and he could totally play center because he, he plays bigger than 6'7". He's going to out-muscle anyone taller than him, and he can jump so high. And he just snapped. I mean, I don't know. This is a physical freak of nature like we have not seen. And everything he does on the court is you just like, I cannot believe he just did that. Um, like people are like, oh, he's like Barkley. No, he's not like Barkley. That's not a fair comp. Barkley doesn't jump. Barkley was great, but he wasn't, you know. He it, didn't have the handles that this kid has. Yeah. Didn't have the athleticism, even when he was in shape, that this kid has. And he's been trained by the modern NBA. That's who he's emulating. So he he never had that, like, well, you play back to the basket, you're the big kid. He grew up in an era where it's like, no, right. I'm going to be Draymond. I'm going to face the basket. Why would I ever bat? I'm going to be LeBron. I guess the LeBron thing to me was like, you know LeBron in the open floor, and you know that feeling of hopelessness it's, that sinks in. It's going in, in yeah. It's go- you may go in the basket <laughs> with it, but it's going in. Like Zion on the break with that size and strength and then re- I mean, if it's a 45-inch vertical, I guess that's where I drew it most was. I, I hear that. Open court, this kid's a freight train. And in today's NBA, yeah. who the hell's stopping him? And that's spacing. And you can't foul him. Like, that's the yeah. LeBron thing. When LeBron gets going, you want to foul him. You're just giving him an extra point. He's still dunking it. Right, because you can't foul him the way you need to to stop him. Right. You'll you get, get thrown out right, of the you game. You'll get suspended. Right. Mahorn and Lambeer could have fouled him. But they, they can't now. So, yeah, grab his arm. Go ahead. You know, uh, he'll he'll muscle through you. I don't know. It's I mean, we're two games in. These poor kids from Army, uh, they did keep it closer than Kentucky. But I mean, imagine these guys. Okay, sign up for the military academy. Okay, I'm going to play some basketball. <laughs> I'm also going to play some ball. I got to get up at five in the morning and jog. I got to take all these engineering classes. Hey, this is cool. We're going to play some basketball. Oh crap! And then you put the game <laughs> tape on, and it's that. There's some kid back at West Point right now being like, "Oh man." <laughs> It's not fair. It really isn't. Drill Sergeant's got nothing for me. Now, this is the other thing that's popped up, and I know we'll get back to the NBA stuff, but it's this talk about can Duke go undefeated. There's this obsession now with with can there be an undefeated team. They may have the top three picks in the draft. And I know road game, ACC, you know, foul trouble, something could happen. But those three guys, they're not just awesome. They fit. Like, I always feel like Calipari doesn't build a team. He just gets great players, but they don't always fit. Right. But with... Barrett and Reddish and Zion, Dan, they 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 are they're like an amoeba. They can do anything you need them to do. Is it unrealistic to even start thinking about that? How do you beat them? I'm more two or two games in, so yeah, it, I don't know. I don't know how you beat them. I don't know. I mean, can't wait for state to see them in the on, Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, who else is on the schedule that that has? I mean, Carolina's got some players. What is it? Um, is anyone? No, his, uh, he's going to be a top five pick, and his name escapes me. The point guard. For who? Uh, UNC. Little? Nasir Little? Nasir Little. Yeah. Thank you. 
Uh, yeah, but that's one guy. Oh, no, I know. Yeah. I just, that's who they got. No, yeah. And then they got Luke May in his 17th season. Uh, Kansas has got a lot of players. I, yeah, they could. Here, here's one thing about recruiting, and I used to do tons of this. I did not, I don't do it as much anymore. But I used to always think they'd have these five star, right? Or they'd have a ranking like one, you know, you, this is the number two player, this is the number nine player. And you figure, oh, this is great. These scouts don't really know that big of a deal. There's like, they shouldn't be five stars. It should be like six stars or seven. Like, it's like the draft. Would you rather have the second pick? Or would you rather have the eleventh pick? Mm-hmm. Now they're all McDonald's All Americans, right? But no, they're not the same. Okay, you got one, two, three. You you got you got the three guys, and in basketball, they play so much against each other. You can tell who's better. This they is, separate themselves. Yeah, it, they always are these scouts. What do these scouts know? And yeah, there's always a three star or someone. Over, that's true. They don't miss on the main guys. Like, as you watch, they go head-to-head, and you go, uh, number 11 cannot guard number 3. That's why he's 3 and he's 11. Right. And so people kind of miss that, and they're like, yeah, we got a five-star recruit. They, they do the five-star all the way to, like, 30. Dude, forget it. That's a second-rounder, man. You know? They're not and Those are Americans, too. They're not even a second-rounder. Like, the way the international kids are, you can be the 25th best player in the country you never get drafted. So, so many guys come in. But you're like, there you go. We got one, two, three. Well, it's it's funny you mention it, and I know we're we're straying from Zion, but you make this point about the international thing. That's where I I said all summer, just reading up and and watching what I could watch. I mean, Luka Doncic was the best player in this draft. Yeah, like that's it. Uh, not DeAndre Ayton, not Trey Young. But what happened? It's like the league talked themselves out of Luka Doncic because he had more tape available. To right. be scrutinized than these other guys. Oh, well, he's pudgy. Oh, well, he doesn't have elite athleticism. Yeah, well, here's the deal. He may play like a 35-year-old Slovenian dad, yeah. but this dude is sick. <laughs> and you're seeing it now. He's dropping 25 and 6, and you look at it and you go, why did you idiots talk yourselves out of this? This was the easiest pick ever. They get nervous. Everybody in basketball wants to keep their job. Okay, you're the GM of a team. This is the dream. Okay, there's 30 jobs. You spent your whole life, you're getting paid big bucks, you're in charge. They're terrified of losing their job. Every one of them. Unless you're like Danny Ainge or something, you know. But You're at a point where it's like, I can blow pick. But you're terrified. And so you sit there and say, I am going, what do I got to do to keep the job or get another contract? It's like this in all pro sports. Fans think like the, 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 the GM is sitting there saying, I want to win a championship. Most of these GMs are saying, I want another contract, man. I got kids in school. I'm making big bucks. Like, you want to know why the Lions never get – they probably have never had a GM and a coach that really thought they were ever going to win a championship. This is like, this is my job for a while. This is going to be great. And and you have organizations like that. Now, you also have guys – a Danny Ainge is like, I ain't doing this for my health. I got money. It's not I'm a hobby. Good. Yeah, I'm winning a championship. The Lakers, certain organizations are like, if you aren't all in to win – you ain't, why are you here? Get right. out of here. But a lot of teams. So you're sitting there as a GM. You got DeAndre Ayton. I mean, he's a terrific player. He's huge. People know him. I'm taking it. I mean, what, you know, like. Your owner is an Arizona grad. Everyone's just saying take him. So you don't risk it. Because if you're wrong, you're screwed. And you can be wrong. I will talk later about Philly. Markel Fultz. Terrible pick. Right? How do you talk? But so you sit there and go, Luca, man, Luca, this kid's great. This kid's great. You know, it was, it was like I had a scout. This goes back a while, but when they were doing the Greg Oden, Kevin Durant thing, now you, no one really knew Oden was going to get hurt. We also didn't obviously. know he was an alcoholic, right? We didn't know, or a lot. his knees were going to fall apart. 
But I remember a, 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 a general man, a guy who's a general manager now, texting me. He was a scout then. He was at the Big 12 championship game and he or Big Ten, Big 12 championship tournament. He's watching Kevin Durant. He goes, I think I'm watching LeBron James. I honest to God think this guy's LeBron James. And Durant's doing everything. And he didn't have he wasn't in on that thing. And but there, you gotta take a center. You gotta take a center. You, right. And so you sit there and say, I'll take the safe pick. He can't bench one eighty five. Right. Yeah, right. He can't yeah. bench, whatever. They they talk themselves out of it, but they go, Am I gonna win the press conference? Am I gonna get another con well, he got hurt. Not my fault. Do I get another? So you, you pro sports are funny that way. The fans all they think about is we're trying to win a title. But most of these people who are making the decisions are not trying to win a title. They're trying to keep, a, to keep their you job. You could be leading me down a Pistons path right now, but okay. I won't go <laughs> All right, there. we'll do that another day. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to do that. So let me, all right, so let me ask you this. Is, and, and think about what I'm asking. Is Zion worth a team pivoting and tanking? Meaning, we know we're bad. Right. But we're probably not top three bad. Is this kid, like the players that were worth tanking, like the Spurs when, you know, David Robinson got hurt, they, they found ways to get in that Tim Duncan he, sweepstakes. Right. They pivoted, right? Is he Tim Duncan? LeBron, right. you pivot to tank and go get. I thought the last player I saw that was worth doing that for was Unibrow with Anthony Davis. I admit it. Maybe we do this four months from now, and you're mocking me because Zion's no good. I think I've seen it. I, I think this is the next guy. Is he worth just trying to get the ping pong balls to do this right here, right now? I mean, if you look at it, I would take him over Aiton. I would take him over Fultz for sure. But let's say it should have been Jason Tatum. I would have taken him, you know, if Boston had kept their spot. Oof. I mean, I don't know how many drafts you got to go back. I would certainly tank. Um, no one, particularly if you're out west, this is a waste of time. Um, I would tank, and then because here's the other thing, Barrett is a hell of a player. Reddish is a hell of a, like. There's a lot of good players. Well, that, I think there's so, about four or five in this draft. Manu Bowl's kid is one of them. Bowl 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 Bowl. That's his name. He's seven two. Not two. screwing with you, people. His name is Bowl Bowl. <laughs> his name is Bowl Bowl. He's at Oregon of all places, shooting threes. He is seven. Yeah, I know how he's there. Seven foot two. He just shoots threes. Just, just. I mean, he's incredible. This Bowl Bowl might be as much of a physical freak of nature as as Zion in a different way. I think if you get Zion Williamson, you have got a building block. The only risk to me is the is we've never seen a knee stand up to to this. Right, and but so you said it. You'll win the press conference. You'll win the press conference, and you'll and, sell season tickets. And you've got a shot at one of the all-time greats. So it's like you know, you, 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 the, the, the Suns weren't wrong to draft Amari Stoudemire. He was a rookie of the year. Right. He's a great player. He, he ends hurt. up hurting his knee because he's flying through the air all the time. It happens. But you know that that's my only concern about this guy as an NBA thing. But in the interim, I will say this: like if you don't watch a lot of college basketball, and and the, judging by the ratings, uh, there are many of you. Um, it's why we're talking about this on a podcast yeah. and not the regular show. Yeah, we like getting paid. <laughs> right. It's, but this is not like you really should get into college basketball. Iowa's playing Northwestern on the Big Ten Network, and they're going to all slap the floor. But no, this And is, they play the right, right way. This team is going to have a 30 for 30 on them in like yeah, 20 yeah. years. Watch like, this team and their backdoor cut action. It's no, the right way to play no, the game. This no. is like, who's dunking this time? Like, you know, they're just, it's it's ridiculous. And Zion Williams is the most exciting player. 
I, I put on Twitter, and I was surprised. I did not get a lot of complaints. I loved watching Anthony Davis, uh, but I put out, I thought he was the most exciting guy since Curry. Curry was kind of a must-watch, especially after the tourney when he came back. I mean, he could put up 45. And I thought where he played was a part of it. Yeah. He was a mystery man, not, you know, lightly recruited, had a great story, and where he played was part of it. Absolutely. And it was that old so it was the old basketball debate. Like what if you took okay, what if LeBron had gone to high, college? Should I be putting 30 for 30 music under this? Yeah, you put it. What if well, I, I asked you, you if you take the best player in the country and put him on the worst team? What happens, right? How good can you be? But this is it, right? So he's a He's a two-time MVP. He's going to be all famer. He's going to probably win more MVPs. What if you know it's Larry Bird at Indiana State? Yeah. Like it's a. It's just like yeah, we got one dude, but man, is he good? <laughs> we're going to do it. We were right there. We almost beat Kansas. So it's like that's that's the old debate. I always wish LeBron. Uh, there's always the debate on where LeBron would have gone to college, right? And his his high school coach before his uh, I think his senior year or maybe his junior went and took over at the University of Akron. And he swears, he, and they're still tight. He's now coaching Duquesne. His name Keith Dalbar. He used to coach at uh, Central Michigan a long time ago. He says, I would have got him. I was going to take the whole team, all the guys. They, he ended up taking all the guys. It anyway. like a one-year barnstorming tour. Yeah, he ended up taking the rest of the team at St. Vincent, St. Mary, and another kid from Akron, and they won like the MAC. Like, they were really – the other kids were pretty good. But I was going to get LeBron. We're going to do one year, and we're going to try to win it for, for – because LeBron's just all about Akron. So imagine, like, LeBron – and I mean, it would have been one of the great stories ever, right? But – you know, he goes goes to the NBA. Um, so, you know, what that was part of the Curry thing was like, is this kid really that good? And then he's just bombing him in. But like M- ESPN tried to do that with Trey Young last year. And it's like, eh, it's not as he's not. I don't, I don't think this is totally close. different, though. This is just going to be Zion watch every night he plays. What is the uh, the name escapes me? You're talking Steph Curry in it. It's it's Davidson? Steph. No, no, no. Oh. Steph Curry's comp, you know, Trey Young. And then now there's a Trey Young comp. It's the kid at Vanderbilt. What's his name? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, there is some. Sully, gra- grab that for me, will you, please, bud? But that, if you're looking for a Steph Curry in college basketball this well, year. Well, now everyone tries to be. You watch the NCAA because tournament Because the last kids year. watch. They yeah. see it. Everyone was jacking up 38-footers. It's like, I mean, the NCAA tournament last year drove me crazy. It was like, guys, that, that and these coaches. Dude, you play, like, you play for Marshall. You're not allowed <laughs> to take that shot. And these coaches. Are you coaching this team? Are you really going, hey, just give it to our, our Steph Curry lookalike and have him try a 40-footer? Yeah, you're Marshall. No, it's not going in. It's not going Just because he played for a bad That's school. That's not a play. You're getting paid. Right. That's not a play. That is where it's getting difficult to watch college basketball. And I know we're going yeah. down the wormhole, but you, it's the truth. Every kid thinks they're Steph Curry, and now 25-footers, 26-footers are yeah. acceptable. Yeah. No. It, it never was acceptable before. Larry Bird did not take him. Outside. He'd get right as close to the line as possible. Ray Allen. <laughs> he didn't say Ray Allen's one of the greatest, greatest shots I've ever seen, you know. Uh, you know, anyone. Kyle Korver is not shooting from thirty. He shoots from uh, from the line and then hits them all. It is. It's. It's. It's crazy. And we're going down the wormhole. Yeah. But yeah. It's. It's basketball where it is now, and it's funny because that's one of my biggest complaints. Not to overly localize it, but it's one of my biggest complaints with the Pistons is they're 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 playing for a different era. It's like guys, you built a team that doesn't even fit in today's league. It, 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 this isn't the way the sports played. They have no shooters. They got a traditional center who puts up meaningless 2020s, and they got a power forward who, God love him. I mean, Blake Blake Griffin plays so hard. He tries so hard. But, like, you're a career, you know, 32% three-point shooter, and you're just, you're not what you used to be. And it's like, oh, my God, I watched some of that game 
this weekend, and they go 10 for 42 from deep. I'm going, oh, my God, please. It's painful. It's oh, painful. please, God. Drummond and, 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 uh, and Griffin just cannibalize each other's shots, too. So you can't get them both going, really. It's like one or the other. And you're like, what do you get? Two mad? I mean, yeah, it's it's a depressing spot. The real news, though, is Jimmy Butler trade is interesting. And I wanted to talk about it because I feel like everyone looks at it and they go, okay, well, you get the best player. You won the trade. And I don't feel that here. Now, clearly, you you are aware. I, I am a shameless trust-the-process guy. Yeah. Sam Hinkie, rest in peace. Um, I just... I'm kind of bummed out that this is how the process ends because it's not a complete team. I, Jimmy has basically have has a level of toxicity around. And I love uh, Jimmy Butler. He's a red-ass. But he's also red-assed his way out of town a couple times. Right. You already have two superstars with Embiid and Simmons who I don't think are best friends. They're really different dudes. And now you're adding this guy to the mix. Right. You, you have no depth. Sarich was a great locker room guy. Robert Covington was a Philly kid. Shooters, man. Yeah, and that's am – I, am I wrong for looking at this and going, okay, you got your big three, but I don't love it? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, like, they are better. They are better today than they were last week, okay? They're, they should be better. I agree with you on Butler. Toxic – you know, is he, is he the red ass of Kevin Garnett who's going to rally them all up and they're all going to become winners and take these younger guys and be like, this is what we're doing? Probably not, you know, because sometimes that ultra-competitive thing is great. Or is he just going to be, is this going to be dysfunctional? I'm with you on, you tanked for like four or five years, and you you ended up with Embiid, Simmons, and Butler. Okay, Simmons has the potential to be unbelievable if he gets a jumper. Got to find a jumper. Got to Even if it's not a three-point shot. Got to find a jumper, but he is incredible. Embiid, good player, you know, very good player, no question, all-star guy. And Butler, obviously. But, like, was that worth five years of, like, literally trying? And and the the mistake was the Fultz. I mean. There's way more mistakes than that, well, Dan. Fultz losing a first-round pick and drafting a bust. Okafer. Okafer. Nerland's no well. Yeah. You, bad, waited, you yeah. waited two years for Saric, and he's a nice player, but not a star. And then the one. Yeah. I don't know how. They, obviously, Celtics fan. I was paralyzed with fear they were going to take Fultz. I didn't like him. His team went like four and thirty. Right, you're playing against nobody in the Pac-12, and I'm 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 seeing comps to always oh, James Harden. I, I that ain't James Harden. Right. I was thrilled we traded out of it. Philly screwed the process up a couple years back. You know you can't screw up the Okafor, the Nerlens Noel, the Fultz stuff. All those mistakes led to this. That's your team, and they're not there. Right. So now the process is okay. We've got Embiid. We've got Simmons. They don't love each other. Uh, uh, that's a storyline I think people really need to pay attention to. Yeah. But but we have to get a third guy in here because we're running out of assets. They got a lottery pick coming up here. Fultz has no trade value. I, I don't know what you get for him. But it's almost like because they they did they did so much of it right, and then they just took. That's the problem with draft picks. Bad, just they took such they bad players. They missed and missed and missed. And you know, um, you know, you can't miss. You can't miss. If the NBA, if you just draft good players every time, you and you don't necessarily get the great. That's kind of the Spurs thing or something. Like they don't really miss that much. They get they get decent players. 
And then you got little pieces, and you could do stuff, and you could, you know. Well, look, DeJounte Murray. Yeah. I mean, there's a foundational piece. Right. They're pumped about it. Right. Patty Mills, yeah. another foundational guy. And and it's not just that. It's who they acquire in free agency. But, but so, you don't have to reach because you've got right. these pieces, and, you, and you're picking late. And right. that's a Philly, yeah, these picks were, they were bad picks. They didn't get it done. And so now they have to reach. And so you sit there and go, all right, here's your team. You got three guys. Uh, you know, I mean, they're not the favorite in the East. Toronto, I still think, is better. I think Boston's better, even though Milwaukee's better. Milwaukee's probably better. I just think Giannis is the unicorn. Yeah. And then they've got real coaching there instead of you know, Jason Kidd oh my dro- God. dropping his ice cream. Now cubes. I just get no open jumpers. Are a real coach. Open jumpers everywhere. Yep. And they're nailing everything. So now you've got this, you, you're sitting there going, all right, we're probably fourth in the East, and we don't have anything else to go with here. This is it. Well, the other thing is, okay. We can't get better. Boston can get better. they got a ton of guys up there. They're going to trade somebody. But if you don't acquire, well, I also think Danny's missed a bit of a window, but we can get to that another time. The, 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 you know, having too many assets isn't good either. That's true. Because, you know, Terry Rozier's aren't going to win you a title. No. You still need stars. The Celtics are still short on star power. But what Philly did is, okay, we got three at a top. I don't know. You want to say 20 players? I think at three All-Stars, sure. Okay, so you got a big three. Milwaukee doesn't have that. Right. Celtics don't have that. Toronto doesn't have it. Toronto doesn't have it. So I get what they're trying to do, but now I look and I go, okay, how do these pieces fit? Butler's a league average shooter. He's not terrible, but he's league average. I think he's good down the stretch. I think he'll get you to the free throw line. He'll demand the basketball. That's fine. What role does he play personality-wise in that locker room? Because you traded your two best locker room guys. Dario Saric and Robert Covington were the two most popular dudes in that locker room. You just took them and you removed them. And now you've brought in, I don't know what you want to call it. Like I said, I like the fact he competes so hard, but what he did with Minnesota was entertaining but disgraceful. Right, Dan, that's where I just I look at it and I go, if this is what the process yielded, it's an incomplete basketball team. I don't even know if you're signing this guy. I mean, I, I understand the wink and nod deal and all that stuff, but a lot can happen between now and July 1st. With Jimmy Butler, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Uh, anything can happen. Yeah, I he can't can wait for the next Rachel Nichols sit-down. Yeah. <laughs> or he'll sit down with Sam Amick again. 41 effing minutes. I'm going, oh, my God. Didn't he have—he told—I think, I think I got this right. Like, he— they, he had his agent or somebody called Rachel Nichols said, hey, Jimmy wants to talk tomorrow. So she flies to Minnesota, yeah. and then he has the yeah. the practice. So it's like, was this all a setup? All of it. So then they're like, you know, that's that does not that's not leadership. Like, every if everyone can see through your motives. Right. He said, you can be a red ass, and you can win champ. You can be Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett was, a, like, a miserable person to be around. He was terrible to ball boys, right. terrible he, to team staff. <laughs> horrible to his play, teammates, everything. But there was never a question uh, that he wanted to win, and he would end up dragging. You, you found him with the right guys, and it was like we're going because they were too nice with like just Pierce, and so they win a title. Kevin Garnett was a winner, but yeah, like he still hasn't talked to Ray Allen. Like you know, years later, like they, they, Ray Allen got in the Hall of Fame. None of the guys came. Right. <laughs> like, there's two types of red a, ass. It's there's a bitter individual, but he won. Right. There's Garnett, but then there's also guys like Rondo. Yeah. I think Butler is way more Rondo yeah. than Garnett, and, and, and that's a problem if you're building your franchise around that guy. And and he is a guy like Embiid, who I think what they all want to win, but 
He wants to have fun on social media. He wants, you know, he's, he's how he's long enjoying until those two fight? Right, and Simmons is Australian, and he's, you know, I don't know how much he, he, he Rondo was part of that with Garnett. He had another guy who was just a psycho, right, right, and so then it was all like you could create this like, and that that's it. Like, can can you get them? You go back to the bad boys. Like, it wasn't just Mahorn, and or, or Isaiah was a a viciously competitive person, right? A lot of people didn't like him. But he also had Mahorn and Rambeer, just as viciously competitive, and nobody liked them either. And then you got Rodman, and then you got, you know, you had all of these dudes together. It's like, okay, we're just, we don't care. But if you're, if you don't have that full group, it's hard to be that leader. I think ultimately this is where, and it kills me to say it, but this is where the process fa- has failed because yeah. the process had to yield a complete team. It had to yield a team that was capable of winning a championship. Now, it's yielded. The ability to have three really good players. But the problem is what you said. They reached. I don't think Jimmy Butler was at the top of their list. But it's like this summer, are they getting Clay? Probably not. I think Clay's come out and said, I, I got a good situation here. Yeah, I'm chilling. They're not getting Durant, right? That you know, certain guys aren't a fit. It, it just comes down to like, all right, well, who can we get our hands on? This is well, the best guy we can get. Right. And they did it because they failed with draft picks. And now I just think they have they're gonna have to go what February first. They gotta go to the buyout DVD bin. Hope yep. they can come up with an Ilya Silva and a Bellinelli again. But I mean, you you get what I'm saying is I love the process. I love the theory of it. This is this the Pistons too? Okay, we can't get a star, so we gotta get Griffin, right? Like that was the only guy they could get. God, because they blew a bunch of bad yeah, draft and, picks and, too. And guess they what? They got Henry Ellis. All these guys that couldn't play. Guess what? The pick that they gave up for Griffin, guess what it turned into? Oh, what? Gilgius Alexander. Oh, nice. Who's already the best guard on the Clippers right. and looks like one of the five best players in this draft. Right. I just— But you made bad picks. Yeah. And then you—okay, you, well, we—look, we're not—this is Detroit. We're not getting Kevin. These guys aren't coming here. We can get Blake Griffin. Well, that—he doesn't fit. Well, this is the best guy we can get. So they take him. And it's like, all right, where's—how's this working? I mean, the Sixers now, I, I think—I think Eastern Conference Finals minimum. Anything short of that, it's a debacle. Um, the East is tougher than people expected, and well, I've said about this, this since line? the beginning of the year. The East is better than the West. The East is better than the West, okay? The East, you got Toronto, you got Boston, you got Philly, who is, for the short term, better. And Milwaukee. And Milwaukee. The West, and Indiana's okay. I was going to add Indiana in there. Yeah, Indiana's pretty good. They're going to be there. They're going to, you know, you can write them off, but they're going to be there. The West, you got Golden State. You got... Portland and Denver. Denver, I like. I like Denver. Denver and Utah would be the two. Utah's going to keep getting better. Right. But so. would you take those four over the East four? And then you got Houston's a wreck. Oklahoma City's a joke. The Lakers are horrible. Everyone else is like, forget it. If I think the East is harder. If you're basing it on legitimate 55 win teams, you're right. But top to bottom? Well, the top skews it. I know. I'm just saying the, the non premium East All right, teams. All right, I hear you. Are are like what's in what's in the gutter on Bourbon Street on Fat Tuesday? It's a mishmash of beads, beer, and and fluid. It's just it's awful. Look at the bottom of the East. It's it's atrocious. The West has at least teams that are competitive. I, I hear you there. But yeah, the top of the, but the top of the East has gotten a lot tougher. But that also forced Philly's hand. I think. Yeah, I think it did. Milwaukee particularly. That Celtics playoff series is probably a wake up call for them. Yeah. So now they make this move, and it's like we couldn't get them last year without Kyrie. How are we getting them? Right. And 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 now you're looking at Milwaukee, and you're going, oh no, how are we getting them? 
and Toronto didn't fall off. And Kawhi looks unbelievable up there, and but the whole team looks good. That's the you just said but, it though. Like look at Pascal Siakam and guys like that. I yeah. mean, Toronto knows how to draft. OG Ananobi and and all the. I mean, it's like they got a million players. They play them all, and now with Kawhi, they've got the unicorn. Yep, I love that guy. Love watching. Kawhi. I love his laugh. He is. He is. Uh, I wouldn't say he's my like you're gonna lock down and watch like you're gonna sit down and watch a Kawhi Leonard game, but when I watching and Kawhi, he's my favorite. Player you ever interview him? No, I've never talked to Kawhi Leonard in my life. I don't think anyone has. I don't know if he speaks. Does he speak? His laugh is all he I doesn't know. have to speak. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I don't even know where you're sitting. I don't think at. he speaks. No, it doesn't matter. Doesn't all he would have to do is communicate and laughter. He puts his huge hand up and steals them all. But no, all right, so like. Look at the other side of this. I know no one cares, but I'm I'm intrigued by it. And damn it, this is what this whole podcast is for. So to <laughs> throw out with, throw out some brain eyes. To, to hell with all these. I was going to write a column on this. So I'm going to get why 90 seconds of T-Wolves here. The East is, the, is better than the West. That's no, the, yeah. I don't mind it. But no, all right, so look at the Timberwolves side of it. Now, here's the problem, right? The T-Wolves, you, you got a 100-year-old owner. You're 29th in attendance. I'm pretty sure people are in open revolt on the team. Yeah, It's almost similar to what happened with the Pacers after Palace Malice. Where the, the the fans just started hating their own team, or remember the Jailblazers? Yep. So, I actually didn't mind what they got here, but it's because I wasn't under the delusion that this sexy super deal was ever available to them. Jimmy Butler took away all their power, so you knew they were only going to get a eh deal. Now, here's what their biggest problem has been, right? It's not talent. Wiggins is talented. Carl Anthony Towns talented. They got a morale issue. They got toxicity. You bring in the two best locker room culture guys from Philly. You get rid of the cancer you had, and you inject Dario Saric and Robert Covington into that. Is it a bit silly? Yeah, but guess what? Tibbs wants to win right away, and it's dysfunctional. But I actually didn't mind it because all these draft picks with these crazy protections, Tibbs ain't going to be there. At least they got guys. Covington's on one of the best deals in the league. Sarich is a friendly deal. Stretch four. I don't. I, I didn't hate it. And then I, everything I read, Dan, from your cohorts in the journalism community, mm-hmm. yes. they're well, we pan, know a lot. They're panning it like I'm so. Uh, what were they supposed to get? Well, here. Okay, so this goes back to the, what we talked about earlier. What's the motivation of the people making the deal? Okay, and this is interesting because you can pick this one apart in a couple of different ways. You're right. Tibbs wants to win. He knows four draft picks ain't helping him. They're going to be in the middle or late. Houston's not going to just all of a sudden become. Yeah, you know, it's not four to five, and he's not going to get them. You sure about that? Uh-huh. <laughs> they look awful. They do look awful. Carry on. If you want to win the the press conference, though, you get the four draft picks because fans love draft picks. The presence. The press loves draft picks. You don't know what the, you can spin it later. You can move up in the you can move down. We're going to get guys. No one wants to come here as a free agent. The draft picks. Four first rounders, right? I don't know that they aren't they are better with this deal. These but most guys don't know who these guys are. Who's coming in? Oh, he's a jump shooter, he's a foreign guy, you know, whatever. Um they're better, so they should be a better team, and Tibbs wants to win because he's not sitting there. So you could look at it either way. You could either say they're selfish because they're trying to win right away, or you can sit there and say, hey, good for them. They didn't care about the press conference, and they made their team better. Which way is it? I don't know. But 
you always have to look at the motivation of people in there. Once GMs are usually like no one knows who they are. Okay, like you don't they don't know them. They kind of can tend to know college basketball coaches more or whatever. Even pro coaches, they don't really don't always know them. But if you know them, and the more people you know, you realize most of the motivation in pro sports is just keep my job and not win. And that's why the same teams win and the and the same teams lose because they don't get that. So interesting deal. Four draft picks sounds great. Yeah, but it's it's not as sexy when you get under the hood and you look at what it would have been. What are you really spinning that? I don't mind it from a basketball perspective because the most underrated part of Saric's game, besides his mustache, is (laughs) I think that's properly rated. He's a good passer. So if you if if you find a way to get him on the floor, they've got a couple of shooters. I don't know how it's going to work with Derrick Rose, but like Saric, well, what do you want me to tell you? I didn't build the roster. I'm just I don't know why he's doing there. Uh, you also have to give up. You have to give Carl Anthony Towns something to stay when that eventually. Uh, he comes. needs to play better. He's having an awful season. Awful. I have not watched enough of it to see that, but probably I'll take your word for it. I promise. But he's still going to have a market out there. Oh, I think. Listen, right now, this this is what bothers me with the Timberwolves. But it bothers me about Tibbs. It's like in in the NFL. Why would you hire a defensive coach in today's NBA? It's an offensive league. Space and pace, right? In the NFL, why would you hire a defensive coach? Right now, we're in an offensive renaissance. Tibbs is, I mean, he was great when he was a Celtics assistant. It's 2018. Yeah. How many more ex-Bulls are you going to bring in? You can't lock everybody What, is Rusty LaRue available? Can we get him off the scrap heap? It's impossible to lock these teams down. But look at that roster. Right here and now, how many teams would trade rosters with the Timberwolves? I tell you, damn near twenty. Yeah, well, there's some crap rosters. Yeah, think about It'll it. Be all right. Well, that that's going to strengthen the West. This is killing my idea. <laughs> You're ruining my column. I was no, the right. column's not ruined. You're because, ruining it. No, the top four, <laughs> the top four in the East are better than the top four in the West. In your I don't, opinion, yeah, I don't it's care defensible. About the I don't care about the T wolves. Your problem's going to be once you get past four. Yeah, well, it's garbage. Okay. Well, you no, know, Indiana's holding strong at five four. Fine. Okay, who's, after who's, five, so yeah. who's the five in the West? Um, five in the West would be. Let me pull this. Up. I mean, you got all right. So we got Portland, Utah, and Denver all playing pretty well. I hate Portland. Man, go ahead here. I don't know that Houston won't get there. What? You know why I'm scared for Houston? You know what their offensive ranking is right now? No. Offensive efficiency? They're just a disaster right now. They can get good. They can get good. Fifth in the East right now. Well, right now it's San Antonio. I mean, if, if Popovich pulls that off. That's, that's yeah. Please. Give him another plaque in the Hall I of mean, Fame. I mean, you know what? Hold on, though. Is he You're, in the Hall of Fame? Do the NBA guys in or not? they got to wait till they're He done. should be the only active guy allowed in the Hall of Fame. Isn't it weird? The NBA guys, but the college guys can be active. Yeah. So John Calipari's in the Hall of Fame. I like Bill that, South. though, because then you get your name on the court. What? Like, when, when you're College? a Hall of Famer, you get Jim Beheim court, and you're Jim Beheim coaching on Jim Beheim court. Is that the standard? They name those courts for anybody. Yeah, but if you're in the Hall yeah, of I mean, Fame and you're cool still patrolling the sideline, that's a badass move. That's like Dan Wetzel broadcasting from the Dan Wetzel podcast That would be studio. pretty cool. You're yeah. damn right. Damn, yeah. All right, West. I got to be honest, your column looks pretty strong here. Phoenix blows. Minnesota's a disaster, but I think they got better. Dallas needs to be bad so they can get another piece with Luka and Dennis Smith Jr. Houston's a debacle. New Orleans looks like they're destined to trade Anthony Davis because they're 
Although I will tell you, I love what Julius Randle's doing for them. Uh, Utah, we know, is good, but off to tough start. Sacramento, it warms my heart that they're playing good because all they're doing is flying up and down the floor, shooting yeah, a ton of throws. They're kind of fun to watch. Lakers, Clippers, OKC, Memphis, San Antonio. You know what? I got to tell you. I think I got something here. I don't mind it. Okay. I don't mind it from this perspective. <laughs> oh, it's getting written whether it makes sense or not. <laughs> yeah, as Let if you needed, you as if you needed my stupid approval. <laughs> I, I can't spell my own name. It's getting written. Hey, it's, it's not a, bad because yeah. you're right. How many teams Dude, it's are, November. I mean, you got to come up with something. This is not, yeah, oh, damn, not wait, embarrassment of riches. Wait, wait till I invite you back in like February. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, especially in these parts. But you're right. The top five in the East, there's more objectively good teams. Yes. You can say, I know this is good. Those five are good teams. Five in the East, and right now in the West, it's Golden State. Denver's a good little Denver, team. Denver, I'm going to say Utah. Because they'll get better. They'll get it together. There's three. And Portland's pretty good right now. They're winning. I know, but... I, I know. I'm not I'm not in love with them either. I would take Philly as my four over Portland as my four. Yeah. I, and look, it's just whether. Well, here's the angle I, for your column in case you wanted. Okay, to help. thank you. Can you help us out? Could you could you write this down for me? Could you type that out and you would you would you wouldn't like the no, corrections you have to make? Yeah. Is Golden State's greatness enough to overcome four other teams? Is Golden State just that great? Yeah, that it strengthens that side. Oh yeah, like if we had a had a like it was like batting average or something like that. Right. team batting average. But this is also why I want them to change the playoff format and just go one through sixteen, and we don't have to deal with. We this. don't need leagues. We don't need divisions and any. No. Of this stuff. Yeah, conferences. Yeah, like that's the other thing like in the, the NFL, the college football, Look right? At Northwestern. The NFL is designed for you. If you're bad, we're going to hook you up. Yeah. We're going to help you out. You're going to play an easier schedule, right? Yeah. The NBA, they just punish you. Oh, you won ten games last year. Up yours, pay me. Like, 1 through 16, think about how that would just reshape the basketball world. It's the way it should be. Why don't all sports go to that? They they think they're creating that, you know, that that rivalry. Rivalries are dead. You can have them, but it's not the old days. It's not. Go ahead, best rivalry in sports right now. Go. Pro sports? Yeah, pro sports. What is it? What are you going to do, Ravens-Steelers? There are no rivals. What? Yankees, Celtics, Red Sox, here, Celtics, Lakers matters to me because I'm thinking 30 yeah, years ago when but, I was a kid. But you, you can't. They never can play. That's no. the problem. So, like, yeah, great rivalry. No, like, it, it doesn't. I don't matter. mind Celtics, Sixers. That's fine. Yankees, Red Sox, still. They're, your Yankees are back. That'll be. But the, it's baseball. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it. I, I'm with you on that. I, I would, I would get rid of all this stuff. It drives me. I mean, I college football drives me crazy. There's the column. Northwestern. Here's the column. You don't need this wacky east west stuff. Let's here's, play. The, here's the column. Wouldn't you like to see wouldn't you like to see Milwaukee take on Golden State in the Western in the semifinals? Yes. Wouldn't yes. that be a hell of a little series? Or do you want to watch well, whatever drags up from Hold on. Because Denver will get there. Let's say it's Denver. They are too no way. No way. Too young. Too like, you know. Hold on. I, here's another angle for your column. All right. This is good. Second round of the East. Yeah. As long as your favorites win the first round, one through four, think about those second round playoff matchups. Yeah. Then do that in the West. Yeah. Not even close to as interesting. Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Toronto. Yeah. There's the column. There you go. It's going to be better. Watch right. the East. Promote what you got to promote. Do it all. Go right down the laundry list. Books. Though. Otherwise, I'm going to start asking you for Tarkanian stories. <laughs> what was the? T- I read the damn book and I don't remember the title of it. The Tark book. Running Rebel. Yeah, that's good. It was good. You want go. the best Tarkanian story? 
Just, uh, you know, read my columns at Yahoo Sports. Yeah, because... Yahoo Sports College Football Podcast. That's it. Here's my best Jerry Tarkanian oh, story. Slow down. Promote the damn thing. <laughs> That's it. Me, Pat Forty, Pete Thamel. We do uh, two, three a week, college football. Used to have me on. We, we do never, we do not talk about any, like, okay, Zach Smith's mouthing off on Twitter to, to Tom Herman. Oh, we're all over that. All the other podcasts won't touch How that thing. How couldn't you be? Well, it's, you know it's, these guys. It's disgusting, but remarkable. <laughs> we love train wrecks. Okay, misery. then. Hook them horns. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, we're talking about that. Yeah, no, we're not talking about, like, uh, you know, could can Georgia move to five in the playoff rankings? That's boring. Yeah, yeah, no. So, listen to that. Tark, this is much better. Okay. Okay. So, Jerry Tarkanians recruits this guy. His name was... Uh, I'm going to get it wrong. Clifford Lee. Uh, I don't know, Clifford is his name. I forget the last name. Sorry. He is. Uh, you sure you wrote the book? <laughs> yeah, I did. He's like 6'11 six, six, kid from L.A. But he gets. Uh, so everyone wanted him, but he gets caught uh, uh, breaking and entering. So he goes to juven- juvie. It's in juvenile prison. And uh, Tark keeps recruiting him at UNLV, of course. So he goes to the prison, like through the glass with the little phone. Like he's, you know, having his home visit, right? Jerry, I love you. Kids are going to get out. So he says, we're going to take him. And uh, uh, he's going to come to come to UNLV. Kid commits, all this stuff. So he's excited. He's got this seven-footer coming eventually out of the juvie. You know, second chances. So he's sitting around in the, the spring, and uh, he reads in the, in the student newspaper that UNLV's got a new president. UNLV gets a new president. So he heard that. But the guy gives a speech, and he says, all right, here's what we're going to do for UNLV. Not the finest academic school, in case you weren't sure, especially back then. We are going to give, uh, if you if you are a the valedictorian of your high school, any high school in America, be in Vegas, could be could be Warren Mott, wherever you're from. You're the, you are the, the uh, valedictorian. You get a free ride to UNLV. Maybe... We'll finally attract some like actual smart kids around here and get some kids. So Tark goes, Oh, wait a minute. What if uh what if uh, we get Clifford to be the uh the valedictorian? Or what if we get some of our recruits to be the valedictorian? They're all laughing, like our guys are never gonna be the valedictorian. He goes, What about Clifford? And they're laughing, like he's taking the GED at the prison. He says, Yeah, but so he sends this guy down there, meets the guy who runs the GED program in the prison. Okay. What can we do to make Clifford uh, the valedictorian? This is awful. <laughs> of the, it, the, the place was called the El Paso de Robles uh, Correctional Institute. Okay, I remember that part because what a name. The the valedictorian of the El Paso de Robles Correctional Institute in California's GED program. This guy goes, what? You know, there's no, we don't do valedictorian. Okay. Well, you know, it's a pass fail kind of thing. Five hundred thousand bucks. Who knows? Something gets slipped over. Guy writes out a. Types it out on the thing. Clifford is the valedictorian of the thing, right? So they bring it back. They submit it to UNLV. Says, our guy deserves an academic scholarship. That frees up a, a basketball. So I'll get another guy, right? Well, even UNLV's like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, Jesus. This, this isn't right, right? So they, hold, they, <laughs> they, they schedule a hearing, okay? They're going to have a hearing over whether this is a legitimate GED uh, legitimate val- valedictorian or not, okay, like the academic board or something like that. So I go, well, Tark, what happened? He says, ah, Cliff got out, boosted a car, got sent back in. <laughs> we had to cancel the hearing. That was a valedictorian <laughs> at a GED program. 
He later killed a guy in Florida, too. Oh, God. Yeah, that's oh. <laughs> All right. It's a real uplifting story. You got any books but to promote? You writing anything? Or you, I'm you... doing some books. Um, they aren't out until the spring. They're going to start. They're going to be uh, a, a bios, sports bios, uh, designed for the young adult reader, middle school kids. Um, perfect for my level. Perfect for a lot of levels, too. I've had some parents read them and go, it's pretty good. Uh, I've written Steph Curry, uh, Tom Brady, uh, Serena Williams, Alex Morgan, and I'm writing LeBron right now. So we're going to put a whole series of them out. Kind of your fifth, sixth, seventh grade kids, they don't read, right? Especially the boys. They're fifth, not sixth, seventh grade. I don't know. Look, 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 look at these two. I know. Well, they, they don't read either. There are lost causes. Okay. Millennials. They're lost cause. They I'm trying read. to save the youth while making a buck. I Let's read your honest. columns, Dan. That's what I read. Thank you. Thank oh, you. That's God really God all sakes. that matters. No. Um, uh, yeah. So, like, you know, that uh, that that book for those guys, you know, like to put down Fortnite for a bit and read about Steph Curry. You know, maybe. All like right. a little hundred pager, you know. Well, here's what we'll do. That's what we're doing. We're going to revisit the Zion stuff. We'll, we'll revisit we'll all of how these bad. takes. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, see how these bad age takes. well. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll we'll have you back all after right. the New Year. Thank you for having me. Honor to be on the first I appreciate podcast. You. you have at least one subscriber in me. Thank you, Dan. All right. Dan Wetz. All right, a quick break just to talk about our launch sponsor. It's the D Las Vegas. You're looking to get away, relax, have a good time. D Las Vegas has everything you need. I mean, hell, we're there every March for March Madness. And as I've said before, there ain't no better setup. On the strip, off the strip, it don't matter. Go to the D, go to that chalet upstairs, and ain't nothing better. Bottom line, next time you go to Vegas, check out the D.com. Completely renovated. Downtown is not what you remember. Hell of a lot of new places. It's, it's a damn good time. There's really no other way to put it. And again, the D has everything you need. You're not going to spend a ton of money on the room. Take that money and go do fun things with it. Do what Sully does. Make a bunch of losing basketball bets. Or, well, or for Sully, fall asleep on the horse racing machine on the second floor vintage casino. The bottom line, the D's got it all. They got the sports book. They got the long bar. They got it all. Check it out. The D.com to book your stay today. It's the D.com, the D Las Vegas. And as you know, it is your home for Detroit sports in Vegas. All right, so the power rank, something I've always wanted to do on the air, but we don't get a chance to do it. It's just simple. A top five NFL teams week by week by week. And I've got a surprising omission, so let's jump in. Let's do it. Number five, the Pittsburgh Steelers. We left them for dead. I know I did. Blasted Carolina Thursday night. There are very few teams playing better football. And I really am starting to wonder whether they even miss Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I know Connor isn't Le'Veon Bell, but he's good. A.B. is A.B., Schuster, a bunch of receivers, Big Ben, Revival, playing way better football than earlier in the year. And I'll tell you right now, Pittsburgh, to me, has entered a discussion as being a team that could be in that AFC championship game. The difference is, I've got him in over the Patriots. Patriots are not in my top five. And I know what you're going to say. I know I was wrong about them. I thought they were only going to win nine games this year. But, guys, if you watch the Patriots on Sunday, that multiple times this season, Tom Brady has looked every bit of 41 years old. You watch that Titan game, watch the quick cut. He threw 10-12 balls that were terrible throws. Gronk is not himself, right? Injuries are starting to, to really add up here. And the Patriots are still good enough most weeks to beat most teams. But right now, if I put the Steelers and Pats on a neutral field, I take Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh is my number five. Number four, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams. 
I know, a lot of people have them one, two, three. I've got them four, and I'll tell you why. I'm very concerned about that defense. And I know, Aguib Talib comes back, maybe it changes it all. Right here, right now, what I watched in the quick cut watching Rams in Seattle, the Rams can't stop anybody on the ground. Seattle may as well have been the Pony Express at SMU. I mean, Penny blew them up. Davis blew them up. I mean, it's if you can't stop the run, that's going to hurt them come January, come playoff time, and now your offense is losing the T.O.P., and you're up against it. Now, I think the Rams have maybe the best roster, but that defense, that defensive front, they can't stop the run. Right now, they can't stop anybody through the air. That's why they can't put teams away. That's why they had to hold on to their ass against Seattle this week. It's why they don't blow anybody out, really. I think the Rams are awesome. They're a great story. I love McVay. But I got them outside of my top three because I don't think they'd beat the three teams ahead of them when it counts in the playoffs. Number three. You probably knew this was coming. My San, well, used to be the San Diego Superchargers, but my L.A. Chargers. It feels so dirty saying that. But the Chargers, to me, can go into a game against the Rams. They can beat them because Melvin Gordon right now is the MVP no one's talking about. Melvin Gordon through the air, on the ground. Chargers line up and they run it. And they use Gordon every bit the way Carolina uses Christian McCaffrey. I think the Chargers are playing some of the best football of anyone in the league. And when you look at it, When you get into a big game, a big spot, I'm telling you, these teams that can run the football, my top three, I think could be the Rams' kryptonite, ultimately. And I think the three rosters I'm listing are just better than the Steelers. And look, the Chargers, you could argue their second best player hasn't played all year. And they're going to be getting him back in Joey Bosa. You add that type of defensive lineman and pass rusher, you do what you do offensively, I think I'm going to put the Chargers at three right here, right now, until I see the Rams tighten up on defense. Number two, Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs right now, again, I think if they played the Pats again, they would beat them. They were on the road. I thought Mahomes a little nervous in that game. The Chiefs struggled a little bit against Arizona. You can't be lights out every week. But if I line them up against Pittsburgh or I line them up against LA, and guess what? We're going to see Rams Chiefs coming up Monday Night Football. Can't wait for that. Uh, I just would put the Chiefs, too. And I know, defensively, a problem. But they are so outer space on offense. I think they're better than the Rams offensively. I think their players are better than the Rams. Uh, Kareem Hunt looks every bit as good as Todd Gurley. I think the Chiefs' usage of Travis Kelsey, one of the weapons in the league. Mahomes is better than Goff. I'm going to put the Chiefs at two. And number one, you know it. It's a team that hasn't lost since week one. It's the New Orleans Saints. They just, they got it rolling on all levels. And that defense is coming together now. Guys who early in the year either didn't play or weren't playing well, like Alex Anzalone. And look, they've got it together. Now they're going to get their first round pick, Marcus Davenport, back in a few weeks. He just went out. Critical pass rusher for the playoffs. But offensively, they can run it. They can pass it. They stretch you horizontally and vertically. Uh, The Des Bryant thing doesn't bother me because I never thought he was going to do a whole bunch. But right here, right now, As long as the Saints do their job, if they get home field advantage in the NFC and they don't have to leave that dome, you're not going there and beating them. Right here, right now, the Saints are your Super Bowl team out of the NFC. And frankly, I think they could beat everybody on this list. I give them major props for the showdown win against the Rams two weeks back. 
I think the Saints are your number one team in football right now. So just on the outside looking in, the Pats, number five to Steelers, number four to Rams, number three to Chargers, number two to Chiefs, and number one, it's the Saints. That's the power rank. All right, so th- th- this is something I've wanted to do for a long time, and of course I-, I have Roberto with me to do this. But as you guys know, if you listen to the regular program, uh, we have an affinity for several films, one of them being Roadhouse. And, oh, it's awful, and it's so awful, it's beautiful. <laughs> and it conti- Roberto, it just finds its way into what we do because of these sizzling one-liners. This would be in like the one sheet. This is probably what Swayze would have gotten when he saw, you know, James Dalton as a professional cooler, i.e. specialized doorman and bouncer with a mysterious past who is enticed from his current job at a club in New York City to take over security at a club and bar, the Double Deuce in Jasper, Missouri, (laughs) which happens to be owned by a goofball in a Panama jack hat who owns the city. Brad Wesley. And somehow everybody knows this name Dalton. You know, the guy that sways the place. Everyone's like, pss, 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 you know, he ripped the guy's throat out. Well, like, he have killed you five guys. Up in Memphis. Have like <laughs> has, has anyone ever known the name of a bouncer on planet Earth? No. <laughs> but but all of a sudden he comes down, oh, yeah. you must be Dalton. Yeah. Oh, oh, I've heard of you. What are you, the guy who invented the refrigerator? No, I'm a bouncer. I killed a guy. I really think it could be put the best way by Roger Ebert. Can I read this for you? Because you, I think you would agree with this a thousand percent. Jesus, we're starting with an Ebert? Roger Ebert said, Roadhouse exists right on the edge between good, bad movie and merely bad. <laughs> no, I hesitate to recommend it because so much depends on the ironic vision of the viewer. This is not a good movie, but viewed in the right frame of mind, it's not a boring one either. It, but so okay. he's, on, he's on the fence. Here, here's what I would say with Roadhouse, and I think any great film, and, and Roadhouse has to qualify as a great, awful film. <laughs> it doesn't matter when it is on. You can pick it up anywhere. If you're picking it up in the opening scene, you're locked in. If you're picking it up halfway through, no problem. There's not a scene or an entry point where you can't pick the movie up. Certain movies you got to watch start to finish. Because there really is no plot, really. It's no, just guys no. kick each other's ass. No. Oh, no, there's a love story. There's, oh, yes. But no, here's my, here's my question. Because I know you, Kelly Lynch. Who only acted in the late 80s. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was the only thing I've ever seen her in. Right. <laughs> no, but, but I'm being serious with this now. Like, when, when we, and I'm, we're going to get into it later, the one-liners. Like, when you think of how hard it is to get a screenplay, or or get a script approved in Hollywood to get something greenlit. That, see, that's what I think about when I watch this movie, because I go, <laughs> wait a minute. Somebody sat down. Now, Swayze was red hot at this time, because this was right Coming after up. Dirty Dancing, yeah. right? So this is a big actor. Big follow-up for him. This it, is like, he's well, probably Sam, get, he probably got a billion scripts. Sam Elliott in the movie. Big actor. Love him. But... You sit down and this script, and I mean the the one line. How did a how did a room full of movie executives in the late 80s sit down to this and go, yes, this, all of this? Dude, the 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 acting in this film is bad enough. Especially like you've got guys who acted in this film that I don't think ever acted again. And again, I'm assuming if you're listening to this point of the podcast, you've seen Road. If you haven't seen Roadhouse, you're you're 
you're not living life the right way. <laughs> you it's, can rent it for like $2. You don't need to rent it. It's on. <laughs> It's on IFC or whatever it is, like every Tuesday night. And while I'm watching, you know, the Pistons or Red Wings get killed, I flip it on. I can't stop. So go ahead. You've got some fun facts about this film. Uh, I want to hear some of these because when you deep dive on stuff, I get very scared. (laughs) So uh, this is a fun fact that I didn't know that the, the bar, the original Double Deuce in the movie, the original bar was uh, constructed for the movie. It was a fake, you know, it was a set that was built. However, the filming of the new Double Deuce was actually a bar that was in uh, Anaheim, California. That place actually exists? (laughs) Yeah, you need to go there. Because the (laughs) first... No, absolutely not. Next, give me another factoid. Um, I don't know how good this is. I don't know if you've seen it. You know, there is a sequel to the film that was a direct-to-DVD in 2006. I would not allow myself... To watch it. And it I had this discussion with friends. The, the the first movie, amongst bad, cheap entertainment, one-liner films, it is the godfather of the genre. I couldn't ruin it by watching a remake. That's why I was horrified when I heard they were going to have Ronda Rousey in some roadhouse, you know, reboot. I can't. I can't do it. Anyone who's seen this movie knows this. This is like one of the all-timers. They're standing there. And Wesley's group wants to come into the bar and, and rabble rouse, right? Right. And Swayze deadpans, and he looks at the door. Now, there is no way this is even possible. But he's talking to his <laughs> bouncer who weighs four bills, can't move. And all he says is, right boot. Oh, yeah, Right yeah. boot. First time you see the movie, you go, right boot. And then they cut to it. This guy's got like a tic-tac knife on the front of his It's like boot. a razor blade. No, but like the best it. part is they put the Disney special effect on it where it goes ding, yeah, like yeah. they shined over it. <laughs> <laughs> the, guy's, the guy's 50 feet away, yeah. walks into the bar, and Swayze's like an alien. Right boot. Yeah. Like, get the hell out of here with that. And then that. you notice that he throws the guy out of the bar, never, ever touching the right boot, because then he would bleed. Right, so he, never. They make sure the continuity is correct. All right, go ahead. More to, <laughs> more to facts. Well, the funny thing is, a lot of really good movies came out around the same time as uh, so the Roadhouse. Juxta- so juxtaposition between... Probably a reason why a lot of people didn't see Roadhouse in films, because you had movies like Batman was out at the time with Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson. Sure. Uh, Back to the Future Part 2, Ghostbusters 2, Driving Miss Daisy. All right, stop. Now, uh, hold on. Hold on. Time out. Time out. Wait, wait, wait. Ghostbusters 2. What was the other Part 2? Uh, Back, Back to, to the, the Future, future too. too. I saw that in the theater. But you can't put those two in the same sentence as an Oscar winner driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> Jessica Tandy, Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah, uh, when Harry Met Sally came out that year. Uh, Field of Dreams. And by the way, none of these films, uh, Sully has seen none of these. Is that fair to say, Michael? I've seen Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. I have seen Roadhouse, albeit once. and Because I was we forced you probably to. Probably drunk while watching it. But <laughs> All right. Um and- no, it's it's one of those movies where it is just so bad that maybe it's good for some people. It's the it's the script that makes it good. Wait till we get to some of these. They're already percolating. Go ahead, Roberto. <laughs> well, another great movie that I kind of it's in the same sort of no pun intended league was Major League came out the same year too, which is See, a, Major League's a really uh, good yeah a really good is. movie. I that's another one of those. If it's on, I, I'll watch it. So how is it possible that a movie that Rotten Tomatoes Puts it 38% with a splatter mark. How the hell do I have that as one of like, if there are five movies I can watch, 
just laying on the couch and I'm thrilled that it's on, Roadhouse is one of those five. Well, the other thing is, I, yeah, I said I wanted to get into the psychology of it with you. So you never, you didn't see the movie in theaters. You only would have been nine years no, old. No, my parents weren't <laughs> going to take me to that. What's the matter with you? So maybe, what, a couple years later or a year yeah. later, it's on the Showtime Yeah, but then it started to become legendary college age. Right, it's, yeah, and it's one of those ones that was all, would always be on. But then it was my group of friends all loved the movie for the same reasons. So then the one-liners, like right boot, that's appeared in a, in a, in a group tech. <laughs> if it's one of the five movies you're laying on the couch, and I like for me, if it comes on, I know a piece of my next two hours is dedicated to that. It doesn't matter what I'm watching. I'll find a commercial break just to go there because I know the movie so well. I can just enter a scene and be fully emotionally engrossed. And I'm one of those guys, too, where I can watch the same movie a million times. It never gets old to me. This No, this doesn't because of the script. It's so bad. Like, I wish we could find who produced this film. Who was in the Joel room? Joel Silver. Okay, so that's a big-time producer. That's a big, yeah. So how did this group of people sit down, read this script, and go... Yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is magic. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Getting the 10 best one-liners in this film is impossible because there are 100. I just have the one, the one that I always go back to that I, I just I pause and I go, that's the most ridiculous line in a movie I've probably ever heard. So in a movie full of ridiculous lines, there there is one that you find objectionable. So, can, I, can, I, can I guess a few? Yes. Let me do it this way. Let me guess. Let me let me see if I can go through my my notes. Okay. And and it's 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 absurd, right? <laughs> so we're not yeah. talking comedy. We're talking it has to be like wait, did he just say that it's, or it's, that doesn't it's, make it's sense. It's something that another man should never say to another man. <laughs> I know it already. <laughs> It's it's Dalton and Billy, who right. looks like Razor Ramon, fighting in the pitch black across the lake from Wesley's house, where they're kicking each other's ass. Then Billy rises up from the water, gets in like a karate stance, and deadpans and says, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> Good night, everybody. You literally look at the television and go, what? What? Yeah. Like in the in the in in the context of a fight, <laughs> where would that ever come out of your mouth? And why are you proud of that? Yeah, and like and then I think Dalton's response literally was like, "Go fuck yourself." Like, what do you even say? You're in a fight to the death, and it it it, it occurs to you to stand up after being like body slammed into a lake. You get up and you just deadpan that line. And man, then he really wanted to overdrive, and you know. Did the worst. The thing that people had the rumor about him, he does to this guy. He well, literally right. rips his throat out. Well, right, which is also something I believe to be wholly physically impossible <laughs> unless you're that character <laughs> from Indiana ridiculous. Jones who was ripping people's hearts out. But, like, all right, so uh, from the ridiculous file, let me read you a couple of these. Because that, I mean, Roberto, honestly, there is, it doesn't even make sense how in that fight that line comes out of his mouth. Again, there, and that's the other thing with fights in movies. Same with every Rocky film. I mean, the, the, the punches they're taking, you'd be dead seven times over. He, he, he like roundhouses Swayze, who again is out there in sweatpants for no reason. <laughs> and he just goes, damn, I thought you were good, boy. What? what? Yeah, I know. It's just how, how do you call another grown man boy? Those actually sound like, those sound like lines that are on the page. And they're reading them verbatim from the script. 
How about this one? Here, I'll give you. I'll give, give me it. some. Uh, give me some Wade Garrett lines. Well, don't eat the thin white mint. <laughs> He's screaming on the phone. He goes, "I'm working at a place where the sign above the, the wall, toilet yeah. says, don't eat the thin white mint.' Yeah. Well, I, here, I, <laughs> here's a here's a Wade Garrett classic. Now, Wade Garrett is Sam Elliott, and Sam Elliott's a damn good actor. How did he get hoodwinked into playing Dalton's sidekick? Here, here's Garrett. That girl's got entirely too many brains to have an ass like that. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I'll give you another good one-liner. And it's at Red's Auto Shop, Red Webster. How long are you in town for? Dalton, not very long. That's what I said 25 years ago. Really, what happened? And here's the one-liner. I got married to an ugly woman. Don't ever do that. It just takes the energy right out of you. Come on. What the hell? This is the, we're not. This isn't a good endorsement of no, this film. No, it, so far. no. It, yeah, he, people are never going to want to see it up here, and you two guys talk about it now. No, the lines are so terrible. They're fabulous. That's the whole point. Wesley has some of the best worst one-liners in the film. Like it's not even close. Like the scene when his guys come back after getting their ass kicked, and he goes, "Well, one of you boys owes me an apology." Now, I'm going to leave it up to you to decide which one of you wants to say I'm sorry. So then he goes up and he literally pats Tinker on the head. He goes, you're a good boy, Tinker. So this guy, O'Connor, this poor guy, he goes, I'm sorry, boss. He goes, no, O'Connor, somehow I don't believe you. Now try it again. Because if there's one thing I can't stand, it's a man who's untruthful. He goes, I'm sorry. Now he's screaming, I'm sorry. <laughs> he goes up. He goes, I swear to God, boss, I'm sorry. He goes, you disgust me, O'Connor. <laughs> then he, here's the best part. Then he kicks the guy's ass. He goes, you're a bleeder. Yeah, it just destroys the guy, right? Pick him up off the ground. They get him standing up again. He goes, you're weak. You've got no endurance for pain. Well, really? You just cold-cocked the guy to his face. <laughs> you know what I think, though? Th this is one of those scripts where I bet you they sat down. If, if you sit down with a stopwatch, when they were putting this film together, Price said, okay, every 10 minutes of this film needs to have a fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? A little plot for 10 minutes, fight. The plot, fights, fight. The, plot, fights, fight. the fights are so unrealistic. It's almost <laughs> as bad as the football action in Remember the Titans. That's how bad it is. The unrealistic, I mean, guys are getting just obliterated. It, well, interesting it's, enough. It's insane. Interesting enough with that, though, it was reported that the NYPD was using a scene from Roadhouse as part of a mandatory three-day retraining course for 22,000 officers. What? <laughs> how is that possible? <laughs> as Wikipedia. to how they should be fighting? Uh, yes. No, you don't do anything you see in that movie. <laughs> They did the right boot te technique. There's three. All right, let me give it a three Brad Wesley things. All right, they did the right boot thing? I don't know. I'm you can't. <laughs> Th my three favorite Brad Wesley deals, above all, okay? Yeah. One, for no reason, this guy's out on a two-lane road, and he's little. What the hell is that song called? He's shaboom, shaboom. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. He is swerving right lane to left lane in just like a lazy pattern. And he just, now mind you, he doesn't know someone's coming when the scene starts. He's just doing it to be an ass. Well, sure enough, who's the car coming his way? 
Dalton. He damn near runs him off the road. But the scene's ridiculous. He's wearing like a members-only jacket, you know, a Panama Jack Derby hat, and he's just doing these, going lane to lane to lane for no reason, singing some song from the 40s. He just looks like your everyday scumbag. Right. <laughs> Number two, it's the entire scene when they have breakfast. He summons Dalton to his estate, which, I gotta be honest, is pretty sweet. I mean... It's Jasper, Missouri, but still, that it was a hell of a nice well, house. Supposedly, I don't he know. He brings are. Dalton over. This breakfast scene, you could just watch this. But when Wesley starts screaming about how important he is to this city, and how he brought the laundromat, and he brought the video store, <laughs> and then he finishes off with. J.C. Penny's coming here because of me. And I'm like, yeah. it's a big deal, right? Wait a sec. You're really proud about it's that. It's a big deal. But in that scene, this is my favorite one-liner in a movie. It gets me every time. They, there's nothing like it. Dalton is looking in the room, and there's this, you know, glass end table, and you can make it out when you're watching it, even though it's not HD. There's this black and white photo of an old man, right? Look like a military photo. Dalton looks at it. Wesley sees him and he goes, that's my grandfather. Oh, yeah. And Dalton goes, looks like an important man. Deadpan, Wesley. He was an asshole. <laughs> again, Roberto, all I can think of as an adult is, how does that line get in the film? What is the purpose of that line? It was on the paper. It was on the No, no, but paper. you get my point. There is absolutely no reason that that is in there. Like, there are villains in movies, and all villains are, are bad. Some are sympathetic, though. Some are pure evil. But, like, Brad Wesley is just an asshole. Yeah, he's not like Hans from no. Die Hard. Right, where you you thought, well, you know, on some level, Hans is evil, but in his own world, he's trying to avenge his brother's death. Listen, Wesley is just so obnoxiously a jerk. Like, I, I was thinking about some of the scenes, and like, I told you where he's swerving on the road. Ridiculous. <laughs> or, or when he's standing there in front of O'Connor, and he, he picks the guy up, and we talk about it, and he then goes, oh, it's okay. I love you. And then he kicks the guy in the nuts. Like, <laughs> or, or better yet, the look on his face, and it's, it's, it's like this smarmy grin when he's looking across the lake as, as, as Swayze's barn burns down where he, he rented his room from Emmett. And this guy's, like, on the ground, barely breathing. He's just got a smirk, and then he, he basically starts eating his cigar. Like, I just... He's such... He's such well, an yeah, ass. I, I think they went a little too far to prove the point. All right, this is a bad guy. You know what I mean? They probably could have backed it off a little bit. You can be a bad guy without being an ass. There's a difference. Like, somehow watching movies, I'll accept somebody. Like, okay, great example. Like one of our favorite movies, and I'm sure we'll do this at some point, Shawshank Redemption, right? Oh. Now, the warden, that's a bad dude. But I didn't, he wasn't Brad Wesley because he was pure evil. Right. Pure, unadulterated evil. <laughs> Brad Wesley was an asshole. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference. It's just a total difference. Yeah. Well, the warden had a good job. You know, he's upstanding. He had a good job. Right. And, this uh, guy was know, just a gangster. He was able to put stuff together. This right? guy's a gangster in Jasper, Missouri. <laughs> there are no gangsters right. in Missouri. This is what this is the, the equivalent of like failing out of gangster college. <laughs> you end up in Jasper to prove your merit. Oh my God. All right. So one more thing is very important. Now we've we've talked about how fabulous this movie's plot is. Fight, 30-second break, fight, terrible one-liner, fight. 
There is one thing we have not discussed, and I need to ask you. You're, you're, you're a bit of a fashionista. <laughs> we have to talk about one of the great movie outfits ever. People, if you haven't seen this movie, you need to watch it. I'm telling you. Patrick Swayze. I, I don't know. It, it isn't a genre piece. It isn't a time period piece. You can't attribute this to the 80s. You can't say, well, it was a Shakespearean movie. No, 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 no. This man is a cooler, a bouncer <laughs> in Jasper, Missouri. The scene where Patrick Swayze goes to Red's Auto Shop to buy an antenna. <laughs> and he is wearing something that looks like a bathrobe tucked into jeans <laughs> or a kimono yeah, it's like a tucked into jeans. It, people, you've got to... If you've seen the movie, you already know. Skin-tight jeans. Right, but then this blouse that has no buttons. <laughs> that's a good... Now, that's the right word it, for it. It's a blouse. But it has no buttons, and he's. it's basically <laughs> like a bathrobe where you put the one flap over the other. Uh, My question, how did he tuck it into his pants? Because you have to put the flaps over each other, and then he had to put them down in the Wranglers. You know, maybe that was uh, done on purpose by the wardrobe but here's uh, my, people. But here's my question. So you're you're Johnny 80s music guy. You're an 80s guy. Oh, absolutely. What is that? What does that look? What is that shirt? Where would you well, get I think one? that was like indicative of the time. No. I, I do think that that was kind of a rock and roll sort I've never of seen it look, worn by another human being. I mean, it did being. not work. It never seen good. it worn by another human being. <laughs> What other film has that shirt appeared? I wonder if like we could find out from like a prop place or if like a like if you could buy that outfit and I would display wear it. it on a mannequin in your house. You don't need a mannequin. <laughs> I would wear, wear it. Because <laughs> I want to show you how ridiculous That's it is. That's a great Halloween costume, actually. And I think you people, could be Dalton. But this is my point. The only way <laughs> the only way. Yeah. Like, who are you supposed to be? Oh, I'm Dalton in scene seven. I'm going yeah, to the auto store. Roadhouse. But that shirt, I, I don't know what it's called. I've never seen it. Not and it never you can't say, oh, well, it's the indicative of the eighties. What other eighties film? Uh I just think of like music videos from back then. Like, you know, Show guys me. guys were dressing a little out there, glammy, feminine, right? No. No. <laughs> that was that was one step from a silk bathrobe. Yeah. As a shirt tucked into jeans. I, I think he was trying to pull off like I'm a like maybe like a karate type guy. Like I'm I gotta dress loose because I gotta kick ass. See, this is something I think you could have your kids do, which is your kids are into martial arts. Mm -hmm. Just have them do their karate thing and go, kids, listen, <laughs> show me the functionality of this outfit in the real world. I can have it reproduced. We should do that, and then you'll wear it. All right, okay. so let's get into the top ten now. We've yeah. talked about a few of them. Yeah, now we the ranking starts now. we got to wrap this up because it's it, now, now we're, we're going down the deep dive here. I'm going to start giving you my most emotional scenes. Give me the top 10 one-liners. I want to see how accurate you are in my world. Okay, here we go with number 10. Okay. I put number 10 as the walking into the bathroom stall where Steve is having relations with that woman. And But I was uh, on my break. Yeah, he's a stay on it. And then it ends with Steve saying, oh, shit. <laughs> right, he just puts his head down like, well, I tried the, the whole break yeah, excuse, but it didn't 10. work. The girl's laughing at him. It's, nope. a, it's a disaster. Number nine is actually one we didn't bring up was um, uh, Dalton saying, sorry, we're closed. Ketchum says, then what are all these people doing in here? Dalton says, drinking and having a good time. Wait for it. You're too stupid to have a good yeah, time. Says, well, that's why we're here. You're too stupid to have a good time. What does it even mean? 
<laughs> How can you be too stupid? Right. What level of intelligence do you have to lack to just have fun? Uh, again, it's it's. I wish I could have sat in on when this script was approved. Number eight, Dalton saying, "I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice." <laughs> and then all the bouncers one by one present ridiculous scenarios right. where Dalton follows with, "Be nice." Well, how will we know when it's time? See, I'm going way down the list again. <laughs> to the whole stress. This is almost like I'm at an audition. Oh, my Lord. You'll know yeah. because I'll let you know. Okay. Well, yeah, stay, stay tuned for on a future podcast. We're just going to read the whole script. <laughs> We're going to do an We're emotional read, yeah. reenactment <laughs> of when Dalton saves Emmett. <laughs> okay. So, well, speaking of Emmett, number seven is Emmett saying, calling me sir is like putting an elevator in an outhouse. It don't belong. It's fabulous. And his character, I'm not sure, lived past this movie, much less acted again. Right. Number six, Wade Garrett makes his appearance. You've got a thing for Wade Garrett. Uh, he's the best. I, Sam Elliott's the man. Number six, Wade Garrett saying, that, guy, that gal's got entirely too many brains to have an ass like that. Which is just a ridiculous comment, <laughs> but it fits in the movie because the movie's completely ridiculous. Right. Okay, Number fair. five, back-to-back -back Wade Garrett's. Wade Garrett saying... This place has a sign hanging over the urinal, urinals that says, don't eat the big white mint. That is during the phone conversation when the guy who's home from the army tries to assault the stage. What was it? It was like a cabaret bar or something. Uh, that was weird. It's a weird. That seems like your kind of joint. <laughs> I'll Number have a... Give me a Bacardi. Oh, 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 <laughs> All right, that's enough. I'll tell that's you what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Number four is Red Webster saying... I got married to an ugly woman. Don't ever do that. It just takes the energy right out of you. Again, she left me though. Found somebody even uglier than she was. That's life. See again, complete. But this is what I mean. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> she went and married someone uglier than she was. Oh God. <laughs> Next, number three. Steve saying to Dalton, "Being called a sea sucker isn't personal." Dalton says, "No. It's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response." Well, what if somebody calls my mama a whore? Is she? The deadpan <laughs> is she is good. Is she? It's the first part where he goes, oh, no, 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 no. It's two nouns to elicit a response. Bro, you beat up people for a living. Don't go intellectual. Swayze's the king of the deadpan response. That's what makes think, it yeah, so he's, good. He's a master. I will tell you, you have left out of the top ten. I At least it. one of my lines. Uh, we got no, I know what well. number one Listen, I, I think the world knows what number one is because it's one of the most shockingly wild, <laughs> misplaced you lines. You might be surprised. All right. I'm putting that one at number two. No. R Razor Ramon? Jimmy saying. Oh, I, I said to, his name was Billy. You're right. Bi it is Jimmy. Jimmy. He says to Dalton. Hold on. You got to set this. Hold on. Hold on. We did this earlier, but it's important you set the scene. <laughs> These two are fighting to the death. This is no time for laughter or ridiculous lines. He has just been, like, roundhoused into the water. By the way, both men are fighting. Well, Bill, Jimmy is fighting in jeans. Dalton is in an 80s sweatpants <laughs> motif. He roundhouses this dude into the water. He gets up in the pitch black, gets into, like, a, a karate stance, and then... <laughs> Well, I'm not saying it twice because it's. I remember the when you see it, even the, even 20 years later, 30 years later, you you watch this film and you go, "How was that the line?" Yeah. Like where they're like, "Ah, oh, Jimmy, you nailed it. Great job on that." How was that the line? <laughs> go ahead. Jimmy, do it one more time with a little bit of passion. Okay. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> it's outrageous. <laughs> 
outrageous. Now, uh, you would think that'd be number one, but I put number one as your favorite line because I just think it's another one of those great deadpan lines of uh, Dalton saying to Wesley about his father. Your father uh, looks like an important man. He, all right, so yeah, the breakfast scene looks like an important man. My grandpa, he was an asshole. <laughs> so it's like, what? Why? So, so why do you have a picture of him? Uh, hold on. You left two of them out that I got to tell you. And by the way, I have no issue. That breakfast scene, I, I, okay. there are three you left out. And, and I here here would be one that would be in my top three. Okay. When Wesley's screaming, J.C. Penny's here because right. of me. Yeah, that's a good one. What about the laundromat? <laughs> you know, but like that the scene. That he brought the Jasper right, the, the, the photo booth. <laughs> J.C. Penny's here because of me. Real source of pride. The five and dime. Right. <laughs> so I would have that in the top three, but I understand. That scene is a gold mine for one-liners. The two you didn't put in, and then we, we've this is reaching absurd levels. We've got to wrap this. <laughs> one is pain don't hurt. Okay, yeah. Okay. I, I consider that. But the one for me, and I've already told you the personal meaning, the absurdity surrounding the one-liner, the way Swayze says it, as if the guy next to him should know what he means— Right boot. <laughs> what? what? what you, right, yes, I have a right boot on. No, 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 no. He doesn't point to the door. He doesn't single the person out. There's like a whole gang of dudes coming in, and all Swayze does, right boot. <laughs> I mean, come I, on. I, I've, I've never heard of a guy putting a blade into his tip of his boot. Have you heard of anyone <laughs> short of a Marvel Comics character having the spidey sense to identify a small little box cutter attached to the sole of a boot 50 feet away in a crowded bar? No. And impossible. then the guy next to him apparently is a superhero because him saying, right boot, and the 400-pound <laughs> guy just looks at him and goes, got it. <laughs> you ain't got nothing, son. I got one question for you guys with all this. But nobody ever wins a fight. No, after hearing you guys break down this entire movie. <laughs> I still don't, and, and maybe the people listening to the same way, I still can't tell with how into it you guys are. Is this a good movie? Is yes, the, yes or yes? I don't want any answers. Yes or no? Movie, is it a good movie? I would ask you the question then, Siskel. Isn't the point of a good movie to entertain you? Yes. Then my answer is yes. Roberto? I would agree with that. I mean, I think... Um, but some people say, oh, no, it's it's a bad movie. It's, it's uh, produced terribly. Right, the acting's but, uh, terrible. But see, a bad movie can be good. Yeah. That's my point. Well, my point is there's so much bad stuff on TV now anyway. At least this is an hour and a half. And Cheap so entertainment. On. Yeah, just check it out. Dude, it's, it's, it's like pizza rolls. Are pizza rolls some great food? <laughs> yeah, no. Right. But it's 2 a.m., you're wrecked, and they may as well be the most expensive sure. steak well, in town. Like sure. I said, Roadhouse I, is the pizza rolls of movies. I use this analogy for other things. You can just guess, but I'll say this. You I don't want to guess, actually. You can't have filet mignon every night. Sometimes you got to have McDonald's. <laughs> and you've had a lot of it. <laughs> okay, that's enough, and that's a good, a good place to stop.